0: So there's quite a bit going on. Um, There's a lot of things I'd like to do all at once. Um, I kind of want to go back and look at some of the other teams, especially the NFC North teams, to see what they did in preseason week one. However, training camp is not slowing down. It just kicked right off again. So it's going to be a little bit of a balancing act. I'll probably not be as as in-depth about um, training camp as I want to be. Not only do I want to get to some of these other teams and other things that are going on, but there's also a few questions and things that are starting to stack up in the Facebook group because there's just so much going on right now. But uh, those are sort of the three categories of things I'd like to dabble in, and uh, we'll just see how it how it goes. So before we take our break, obviously, just want to remind you, I'm hoping you'll join me in the largest NFL season-long tournament ever. Some of you aren't into fantasy. We won't be spending too much time, maybe a day a week or something, kind of just dabbling in it. But I know a lot of you are super diehard, so... $3.5 million best ball championship is probably, if you got to do just one thing, that's probably the one thing you should do. Again, these things are running every couple minutes, so just jump in, grab a snake draft out there, grab the best players, it's best ball, so they're going to automatically put uh, the right players in for you retroactively, so the best players, are the, the highest point total that you got for the best roster, that's the roster that it's going to set for you. Don't have to worry about salary caps, trades, none of that kind of stuff just jump in and you can be literally a millionaire in a matter of weeks just remember for a limited time only you can get a free entry into the best ball championship when you make your first deposit but you got to use promo code packernet so that's a free shot at a million bucks just by using promo code packernet when you make your first deposit so search draft in the app store go to draft.com come play free with promo code packernet probably is not going to be the last as far as wide receivers. I mean, we, we've already talked about that's going to be really, really, really tough. I mean, really, Joel and a lot of these other guys, uh, you know, Malik Taylor, Alan Lazard, Teo Redding, uh, Jamon, I guess, although I don't think he's going to be on there. They're, they're looking for practice squad. And I'm pretty sure uh, Jamon is eligible for the practice squad because uh, he wasn't really active at all last year, or very much at least. But Jawill was in that mix of, of guys that are legitimately, they're, they're really not even trying to make the, I mean, they are trying. They're not going to make the active roster. They're just, you know, either putting on a show for another team or just hoping that they get put on the practice squad so they can make a little bit of money and keep honing their craft and come back next year. Because, you know, again, we're talking about Devontae, Marquez, Geronimo, um... Man, it's, it's crazy because there's so much talent. I, I don't know if I can honestly say there's a lock outside of that. I mean, I want, I want to say EQ is an easy lock, but, you know, is there a weird, crazy scenario where he doesn't make the team? Maybe. I mean, I, I'd seriously, seriously doubt it, but, I, you know, he's sort of that second tier. You know, when I do my 53, I go in, in terms of, like, you got your absolute locks like Aaron Rodgers, 0% chance. And I know a lot of fans and people like to throw, there's no way... You're overusing no way. There is a way. There was very little chance Mike Daniels got cut. And I'm guessing a lot of people would have said there's zero chance he gets cut prior to the season because there's no point. Well, he he got cut. But either way, then you got sort of second tier of Equinemius and Kumaro. And I don't know if I would exactly put Trevor Davis on the same tier, probably, but not quite in my mind. He's just a half a tick behind... Um and then maybe like a half a tick below him. I, I mean, I would need like seven thousand tiers because it's it's you know it's just not exactly quite eye to eye, but just slightly below Trevor Davis. Maybe even on the same level would maybe be Darius Shepard. But then after that, it's just it really just falls off entirely. And I think one of the negative things for will that I didn't really pick up on, you know, he he didn't grade out very well, but none of the wide receivers really did. I mean, I, sh- I shouldn't say none. Uh, Kumaro, Shepard, Lazard, all were fine. They were numbers uh, 5, 6, and 7. Jewel Davis was 19th and was the next highest graded wide receiver. Now, why cut him? Well, for number one, Equinemius was graded as the 24th best. Marquez was graded as the 25th best. Nobody cares. Again, it's preseason. The teams know exactly what they have in these guys. Geronimo was 26th. So Equinemius, Marquez, and Geronimo were 24th, 25th, and 26th out of 32 total players. But nobody cares very good football players with very limited opportunities and not a very good quarterback, and nobody's really worried about it. Jawil Davis, however, if you look at, despite the fact that he was technically graded higher than a lot of these other guys, he had seven total snaps. All seven of them were run blocking. They never even gave him an opportunity to run a route. He was the only wide receiver that didn't get the opportunity to run a route. By the way, if we're using snap counts as a metric... Tail Redding only ran three routes, Malik Taylor only ran four, so if we're kind of trying to gauge who's going to be next on the chopping block, you know, pretty much right next to each other, but, you know, if, if I had to put money down today, it would be Tail Redding. But, he, I mean, he's still, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be dark and be like, guess who's getting cut next? It's not a game, I know it's a serious thing for these guys, and he's still got a lot of opportunity, hopefully for him, to, to prove that he deserves to be on the team, I'm just saying... The teams are going to give snap counts to the guys that they want to give them to. All right, Darius Shepard came in on the same level as Teo and everybody else. Guess how many routes he ran? Seventeen. He was in for 31 total snaps. Teo Redding was in for seven. If the Packers like you, they want to watch you. They want to see what you can do. Marquez ran, or excuse me, yeah, he ran six routes. Equinemius ran six routes. Geronimo ran six routes. So there's there's basically there's the guys that are locks, which, you know, Equinemius running six kind of tells you that end of the story. Then you got guys that are, you know, we really like, but we need to see more from. Boom, there you go. Alan Lazard, 13 routes. Jaymon Moore, 14 routes. Jay kumero ran 11. Darius Shepard, 17. And then you've got another group of people that the team just didn't necessarily want to watch all that much. Again, Malik Taylor was only given f- six snaps, four opportunities to run a route. Tao was out for seven snaps, but only had three opportunities. And again, Jewel Davis, seven snaps, zero opportunities to run a route. So that's probably something I should be honing in on a little bit more is opportunities, right? Starters are getting limited opportunities, um, and guys who the team doesn't necessarily... I mean, there's only so many snaps to go around, and, and if there's a competition, a legitimate competition, we need to get those guys in. So they're they're going to tip their hand a little bit, I guess is what I'm saying. Another example of this might be if you look at tight end. Robert Tanyan was out for 18 uh, snaps, ran 11 routes. Evan Bayless, 36 snaps, 11 routes. Pharaoh McKeever, 14 snaps, 6 routes. So Tanyan's probably not going anywhere, but if we're looking between Evan Bayless and Pharaoh McKeever, and I still don't know if I'm saying his name right, I should look it up. I I guess I don't care. And it's one of those things where if I look it up and it's different, I'm just going to keep saying it this way anyways. But when, when Evan Bayless is getting 36 snaps has five more routes, two more pass-blocking reps, and then, geez, 15 more run-blocking reps, it kind of tells you a little bit about what's going on at tight end. Evan Bayless, they, they like. They're, they're giving him opportunities. They want to see what he can do. They want to see if maybe this is for real. Farrow, probably not so much. I mean, 14 reps is, is decent, but in my mind, Evan is clearly ahead of Faro. And I, You know, another thing to look at, is the quarterback breakdown. There's a lot of people saying, man, Deshaun's gone. Tim Boyle's going to be a better quarterback. He's going to take over. Deshaun did a whole half. He had 30 snaps. Tim Boyle and Manny Wilkins had 15 and 14, respectively. In other words, if there's a competition, it's not between Tim Boyle and Deshaun Kaiser. It's between Manny Wilkins and Tim Boyle. Not that any of this matters anyways, but just, you know, again, to clarify, I think the Packers see Deshaun Kaiser as the clear number two. Not a competition, a clear number two. Uh, you know, an- another one, running backs, Dexter Williams, 28 snaps. Now, he's a lock, but he's also a rookie, so he needs to get some opportunities. So they're giving him a lot. Trey Carson had 20, Darren Hall had six. Now, that probably isn't confusing to anybody. Um, Darren Hall probably not going to make the team unless we're decimated by injuries in the next coming weeks. But again, it's an op- it's, it's a situation where Trey Carson and Darren Hall come in on the same level. And you can, you know, if you hadn't heard already how much the team liked Trey Carson and the opportunities they were giving you, this would be a real good indication of what's going on. Trey Carson is giving, getting, you know, starter reps, and Darren Hall is just kind of filling in once in a while. Since we're rolling with this, let's just keep going because I'm interested and I want to I wanna know what's going on here. Um, defensive side of the ball. Craziness, but the guy with the most snaps and by a lot was Ty Summers. I don't honestly even know what that's telling me. The only thing I could think, and it was, well, I guess Oren got hurt relatively early, so it's one of those situations where you have to have a linebacker in more than you planned because Oren got hurt, but also you have to recognize this guy may now be the starter, so we, and you know, that may have changed, obviously, Um, Curtis Bolton had a, a great outing. He may end up being the guy, but I'm just talking from the Packers' perspective, when Oren Burks goes down, you're looking to tie Summers to be the next man up, so you just call him up and you're like, you're playing a lot, and we need to see what we have in you. Again, that may change by preseason week two. for all we know, Curtis Bolton is, is the starter. Um, but as far as some some pretty positive news, Chandon Sullivan had the second most reps at cornerback, Natrell Jamerson had the third most, uh, KB on Ento guy that I said seemed to have a pretty good day. I really liked what he was doing. I mean, the, the corners in general, none of them graded out super well, and it probably wasn't the most clean thing. And obviously the tackling was terrible, but I, d- I just like the feel of it. And that's a weird, kind of a lame thing to to latch onto because at the end of the day you have to be productive, you have to do your job. But so many times in, in Packers' defenses of old... You got, you got guys wide open and there's nobody around and the defense looks confused and they don't know what they do and they're pouting and they're just kind of moping around and they're always trailing behind. They're not fast enough. They're not, you know, quick enough mentally to get to where they need to be. Dude, this group is young, angry, violent, a little too, you know, if anything, they're a little too grabby. Like they're kind of in the chest too much. and It's like easy, buddy. They're just fast and aggressive and they got to, you know, like everything else, you got to iron it out. There's a lot of you know, Rashan Gary. It's all tools. You got to iron it out, right? But I do like the energy of it. And Ento was one of the guys that stood out. He got a lot of reps, and I think that's that's only going to be positive for him. Now, the the bad thing is if you get a lot of reps and you're not good, because then you probably although you may not get cut instantly, uh, maybe next time somebody else gets those amount of reps, maybe somebody else is out there fifty-seven times, and you get twenty-five reps, right? Uh, after that was Looney. Uh, Kingsley, those guys obviously not going anywhere. But then a positive for a uh, an outside linebacker, a pass rusher, Mr. Randy Ramsey, one of the guys who did have a sack on the day. It was an unblocked one, but still, you know, you, you got to show up. And um, they gave him a lot of opportunities, and that's a good thing. A- again, they're looking at the second part. They know a lot of who the starters are. The question is, who's going to make the bottom part of the roster? Who do we want on the practice squad, and who do we want to cut? So there's a lot of questions about Randy Ramsey and where we want him. Do we actually want to put him on the active roster? Do we actually want to put him on our practice squad? Or should we let him go? So he got a lot of, you know, as far as pass rushers go, he had more snaps than anybody. Um, along the defensive line outside of Looney and Kiki at nose tackle, Mr. Dion Simon, 39 snaps. Uh, Will Redmond, 38. Kadar Holman, 37. Montravius, Fackrell, uh crawford gary so now it's kind of the guys that are starters but you know they, they're getting some reps but not too much Then there's reggie gilbert right in the middle with 28 i mean he's kind of mixed in with the the lower level starters that you want to give some so it, if i had to guess if i'm just you know trying to guess what the snaps are telling it kind of seems like he's more or less a lock which in a sense kind of makes sense I mean, obviously, you know, you give Randy Ramsey or whoever an opportunity to try to take that job, but, you know, we know we got Preston and Zedarius and, and Gary, and I feel like after that, I mean, well, okay, fackerel. but if if we're going to assume there's going to be more pass rushers than that, who's it going to be? So, yeah, I, I guess. Working from the opposite end now, uh, one of the, and I don't know if there was an injury or what the situation is, obviously, Oren Burks had the second least because of an injury, but uh, Olive Sagapolu had only four total snaps. That's not a good sign. Now, they just brought him in, and he was, as I said, the worst tackler on the entire team. Um, You know, again, limited sample size, but he was horrible. That probably doesn't bode super well for him being on the team much longer. Uh, Again, Darnell Savage, I know many people said, I wish I had seen more from him, and I agree. He had the third least amount of snaps of anybody. He was only out there nine times. So yeah, it would have been cool to see him get a pass breakup, but on nine snaps, three of which, by the way, were were running plays. So essentially, he's out there on pass plays only six times in that entire game. Um, some other kind of bubble guys with lower snaps, Mike Tyson had 21 at safety, Curtis Bolton only had 22, but I think he earned himself a few more reps uh, for next week. Tyler Lancaster's set, Raven Green is set. Uh, Brady Shelton at linebacker, Marcus Jones. So, and that's the other thing, too. It's It doesn't necessarily have to be, and, and the snaps jump. After you get to Olive, Oren Burks, and Darnell Savage, the, the snaps jump up into the 20s, and then it's just a kind of a slow progression. So it's not like the other guys you know, on offense where there's a real low number that's super you know damning. They got a lot of tape, and some of these guys are going to get more opportunities next time around. However, if I had to put some money down, um, it's not great for Olive. After that, um, you know Brady Shelton had a, a a terrible outing, but with the injury to Oren Burks, I don't know if we want to start cutting linebackers. I think the, you know, just for lack of of depth, these guys are going to stick around and get plenty of opportunities. However, the one guy that I would say is quite possibly going to be gone next would be cornerback uh, Nidare Rouse, Rousey, Rousey Rousenstein, Randy the Rocket Rousey. It's kind of a that's, that's not a good re- re- wrestling name, is it? Would somebody please suggest a, a wrestling name for this guy so I don't have to sit here and stumble over his name? Just give me... It doesn't have to be a... Re- give me any kind of a, a cool nickname that I can call him. Hit me with something. Maybe I'll do it in the Facebook group. And we can just see what we can come up with. And hopefully he's on the team long enough that uh, it's interesting. But that would be my pick. He He just... He didn't have a lot of snaps. As far as cornerbacks go, he had the least amount of snaps of any cornerback. He was the, I think the lowest graded player on the entire defense, possibly on the entire team. And the thing that's really damning is it was his coverage grade that was so low, which is kind of a big deal when you're a cornerback. Anyways, I had no intention of chasing that rabbit, but uh, I think that's pretty interesting. Definitely something to, to keep an eye on. So as far as training camp went, um, with injury reports, some some good news and some bad news. uh, Josh Jones, Aaron Jones, Josh Jackson, Corey Lindsley, and Preston Smith all returned, um, especially in regard to Aaron Jones and Josh Jackson. That's awesome. Now, same thing with a lot of these other guys. They're going to get eased in, right? These, these, you know, especially when we're talking about Aaron Jones, Corey Lindsley, Preston Smith. I, I... Okay, pretty much everyone but Josh Jones. <laughs> I mean, these are these are all starters, and uh, they all play a role, so they need to be cautious. You know, we, we need to get some reps in, but um, coming out flat in in week one compared to losing this person for the first half of the year, I mean, obviously one is is more important than the other. Um, new injury reports prior to the start of training camp. Oren Burks, obviously, if if you hadn't heard, it was a torn pectoral mus- muscle. Uh, I don't know if we have any definitive uh, answers on how long he's going to be out. Um, I had seen from a Twitter doctor, not a real one, so take it with a grain of salt, but I think somebody had said three to six-month recovery time, and I, and I don't know. So if it's if it's three months, he's full go. We're talking November 11th. But if it's three months until it's healed, and then you've got to go through a recovery process, I mean, it's one of those things where we'll probably just put you on IR, or you know, I'm trying to see what the, what the best case scenario is, and I guess that would be the best case scenario that it's maybe it's a minor tear, not you know not a full separation of the muscle or anything, right? It's just there's a little tear, and we got to kind of stitch it up, and you know he'll be good to go in a couple months. You know, I, I don't know. I suppose there's no point in even speculating on it, but I, I I guess the bottom line is I don't necessarily think it's going to be great news, and either way he's going to be out for some time. Which, you know, the, the real negative of that is, and I, I've been saying, it's a little frustrating from my perspective, the lack of effort they put into the linebacker position. And they, they clearly, you know, it, it's similar to tight end and some other positions where they have the, the positions that are most important. And it makes sense, right? You want to invest resources in your quarterback, in your pass rushers, in your, you know, whatever. I guess tackles, even though they don't really do that because they haven't had a need. But a couple backups would be nice. Um, they, they invested a high resource in a corner, which makes a lot of sense. Very valuable position. And so you end up with a bunch of fourth-round pick linebackers, which I guess that's kind of makes sense. But still, I mean, you come into the year, you get rid of Jake Ryan, which is kind of like, I'm not a big fan, but, you know, okay. And I, I, I presumably the thought is Oren Burks is going to take a step, but even if he doesn't, I guess the Packers don't really care. But it's not even just that, it's the depth issue. I mean, we, we came in with only three... Then we, you know, we get Ty Summers and we add a few more through this process, and that's fine. And it's been great news, you know. Ty Summers, you know, I don't know if you saw um, Brian Baldinger did a breakdown, and it, I tell you what, it was really, really impressive. I mean, and you don't even need to listen with the sound on; just watch the video. It's it's his ability to process what's going on so quickly. I mean, all those plays that he highlighted were just—I mean, I'm I'm watching the play and he's figuring it out. I'm I'm watching in slow motion and he's going the right direction before I can figure out what's going on. Just the mental processing portion for Ty Summers was really impressive. And again, as I mentioned, as far as PFF is concerned, he didn't have a good grade, but his run defense grade was pretty solid. It was just his coverage grade that was not great. Whereas Curtis Bolton was the other end of that. His his he had an elite coverage grade. But you know, so it's it's I guess a good news, bad news. I mean, it's unfortunate Oren's out. You know, I, Who knows if he would have been a productive player anyways, but we I, we got lucky is what it is, because we didn't put any effort into finding another linebacker, um, and we, we potentially got lucky picking up Ty Summers and Curtis Bolden, who are at least capable enough to, to fill in and not just be a complete disaster. Hopefully. We'll see. Um, other guys that were out for today's practice, Malcolm Johnson is out with a groin injury. Kingsley Kiki is out with a quad contusion, which uh, I believe is a bruise. Although those can be pretty serious because I remember, I forget who it was, but there was a cornerback that I really, really liked, and I think the Saints picked him up, or the, the Saints had him, and there was a whole scandal about, you know, there was this big issue and they didn't report it and all this stuff, but he had a quad contusion, and technically that's a bruise, but it ended up being pretty serious. It was, it was something, I don't know exactly what it was. So it sounds kind of silly, but it is something to monitor because I know he was out for some time with that. And uh, Brian Balaga, again, is out for rest. There was a little bit of, you know, this hubbub. I think it was Tom Silverstein came out and said that uh, um, Billy Turner was in at tackle and he looked really, really good at tackle, which is great, right? That's great news for us because there's a potential that maybe next year he's going to take over that spot. Is it impossible that they get rid of Brian Balaga and put Billy Turner out there this year? No, but I just don't want it. Why? What? Why? Do we need the money? Why? I mean, there's, unless you just hate having depth and you just want a bunch of money stacked up and it's like, no, we got a guy. You know, Elton Jenkins is sitting on – I don't want Elton Jenkins sitting on the bench. I want him to play, so let's get rid of Brian Balaga. We'll put Billy Turner in it. Okay, what happens if there's an injury? Suddenly you have no depth. If Brian Balaga gets hurt during the season, then you have Billy Turner and we're still good. If you get rid of Brian Balaga and you put in Billy Turner and Billy Turner gets hurt, we got nobody. We got Alex Light, who looked good in preseason game. Cool. And he's going to go up against Khalil Mack, and he's going to get his face ripped off. It's going to be 18 sacks in that game, all by Khalil Mack. So I don't think there's any real um, talk about getting rid of Brian Balaga. Although, again, this is the Mike Daniels situation all over again. We have young guys that are able to take that spot, and so we move on. I mean, we could still use him, but whatever. So, you know, again, it's it's I, I don't see the logic behind it, but the Packers could potentially do it. But I think the fact that they're resting him is a good sign, too, right? They're resting him. Why? Because he's getting a little older, and we want him to be fresh, right? He's injury-prone and all that stuff. We want him to be ready for the season. And he probably doesn't need a lot of practice. I mean, what does he need to practice at right tackle, being in the league as long as he has been? We just need to find a balance between getting him in shape and not overworking him. And I think that's what they're doing. So, if anything, I think the rest is is a benefit is, is a win-win in terms of keeping him fresh so that he can play 16 plus games but also giving us opportunities to put uh billy turner out at tackle and then giving some other guys opportunities to slide in at guard where billy turner would be so win 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 however the injury news didn't quite stop there danny vitale dropped out with a calf injury and then mr Kavian ento went down with a hamstring uh, obviously i don't have any information on that quite yet hoping that everything's okay I mean, it's, just, it's that soft tissue stuff, man, Half hamstrings and calves. You look at it, and it's like, okay, well, he didn't tear his ACL. You know, he didn't break a bone, so he could be back very soon, and that's true. But, I mean, we know how these things can linger. I mean, he could literally be out for a couple months with a calf injury. It just depends on how bad of an injury it was, and it depends how long it takes to, to get righted. I mean, with some of these guys, it's like you, you get a, a minor hamstring thing, and it just lingers and lingers and lingers. It's just not getting any better. So, you know... I, fortunately it's early and if the Packers wanted to they can just spend the rest of the off season, the rest of this preseason period just resting Vitaly so that he's ready week one uh, he could use the reps but he, he looks like he's ready to go and I think he's he's the kind of player that although not perfect and I don't think anybody's going to be perfect week one including the Chicago Bears there's stuff to be ironed out nobody's fully ready but I think he's got the athleticism and and the the ability to to be a playmaker and a contributor on week one, and then just kind of work his way up. Again, balancing this out. Do we want to push it so that we can get him a couple more reps and get him you know, ready to go? Or do we just put him in a nice bath, hand him a book and say, study, study this and don't stop. Just make sure mentally you know exactly what you're doing because we're going to rely on you heavily this season. I would prefer to just rest him. I love the highlights. I love watching him in preseason. I love all that stuff. I would rather him play this season. Not that that's at risk, but you get what I'm saying. I want him week one. I want him ready to go. So, anyways, in terms of what do we do about all this? The the roster currently right now is sitting at eighty-eight. So we've got two uh, open spots. Now, I the first thought that I have is, well, they'll probably just go out and get you know another uh, you know five foot eleven, two hundred and twenty-three pound running back and stick him on the roster because that's just what we do with open roster spots. And if it is just getting that kind of a lower level thing it's not really worth even looking at I don't want to know I don't I don't I don't know and I don't care the guys that we've been picking up I've never even heard of them before in my life so I'm not going to go scour around and say who's some undrafted free agent um, linebacker that's been sitting out there for a while and can't find a team that we're going to pick up and eventually cut however if we think back um, when when Jake Ryan ended up going down rather than just pick up nobody the Packers ended up trading We traded Lindsey Pipkins to get um, Antonio Morrison. Antonio Morrison. Why is that even a name? Mr. Morrison. Now, with the current situation at linebacker, maybe that isn't as big of a need. But at the same time, I I think to say that we're set at linebacker because of Curtis Bolton and Ty Summers is a bit of an overstatement. Even Matt LaFleur had said that you know they, they did some some good things but they left a lot on the table tons of missed tackles missed interceptions and missed sacks so could the packers be possibly looking to acquire somebody that's you know well there's, there's two things number one use some of this extra money we have laying around to get some some of the top free agents or entertain the idea of a trade now it's difficult to sit here and say you know who could we trade for Because you'd have to know the 31 other teams and some of the guys that are on the bubble that maybe are talented but are about to get pushed out by some younger, talented rookies. However, the thing that we could look at is if we wanted to trade a player, who exactly could we look to trade? And honestly, the first thing that comes to mind would be a wide receiver. Reason being, again, we just have more talent than we're going to end up being able to keep. And if, for example, let's say you like a guy like Darius Shepard to be able to come in, could you trade somebody could you possibly trade a Jay Kummerow or a Trevor Davis? And I know that makes some people sick. Not so much Trevor Davis, but Jay Kumaro But again, Jake is real solid. I don't know how much value he's going to have when he leaves, so it's, you know, not that that matters, but, you know, he goes and plays for Andy Dalton or for uh, Eli Manning, who just lost And By the way, oh, maybe I should look at the Giants. They need a wide receiver bad. Unfortunately, their linebackers are garbage, so that's no good. Uh, one name that I was able to dig up, is Dante Hightower from the Patriots. Uh, Hightower is getting up in age. His play is definitely slipping. They've already got Jamie Collins, Kyle Van Noy, Landon Roberts, and Jawan Bentley, all of which have either proven at on some level or, or whatever that they have some capability, so there might be enough there. Just a question of, of what exactly the Patriots would want, but obviously the Patriots are more than happy to wheel and deal to upgrade their team. I'm not sure they would want a wide receiver, but that's it's an option. Another guy that might be worth looking at is Sean Lee from the Cowboys. Now, he had a pretty terrible year last year. I think he was injured for a big part of it, or maybe he just got pushed out. I don't really know. But he's he's really been a very, very good linebacker from 2010 to 2017 and just had a massive dip in 2018. So it's one of those questions where do we think that this is just what he is now? Usually there's a gradual decline, not just a massive drop-off. So it makes you wonder if, if he could come in and still be a productive player for some time. But either way, they're stacked at linebacker. They're underutilizing Sean Lee. I think Sean Lee would like to leave just because, I mean, he's just buried under, you know, Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith, who are, you know, some of the best. I mean, both of them are top 10 linebackers, so probably the best linebacking duo in all the NFL. Now Obviously, they've already got one of our wide receivers. I don't think they'd want another one. Randall Cobb is going to be the slot guy, and then they got Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup on the outside. But again, doesn't have to be a wide receiver. We could trade something else. Of course, picks are an option as well, although I'd rather not go that route. And the Packers generally don't like to go that route. But Sean Lee would be an option. Also, Dallas has to come up with a lot of money in you know coming up here, and uh, that would save them about three million dollars. Now they would have to acquire a player, so it would have to be somebody that doesn't cost all that much. So possibly trade a guy that's getting paid a million or two million or whatever, yeah, you'd free up a little bit. I guess I don't know. Actually, I think I think that's not true. I think it's seven million in savings. So yeah, that that would work out pretty well. Otherwise, uh, Taylor texted in was asking about some of these options and said possibly Hassan Redick might be uh, getting the boot for the Cardinals. He hasn't been very good, but that doesn't mean he can't be very good. He was drafted really, really high. I don't remember exactly where, first, second round, something. And I think there was sort of a question of is he more of an outside guy or an inside guy? You know, it, you want him to be a pass rusher, but he can't quite hack it, so they're trying him at inside linebacker. Maybe it's just sort of like a D Ford situation where you just need the right tools to, to kind of unlock his true potential. And in terms of trading a wide receiver, I think Arizona would be extremely receptive to that. I mean, they do have Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk, but the kind of offense they're going to be running is going to be a basically like a four wide, right? They're, they're going empty backfield, four wide receivers. And to try to run that offense with Larry Fitzgerald, at, you know, at, at his age, I mean, he's just not what he was. Even if Christian Kirk can take a step, I mean, they just don't have the right amount of personnel. I mean, they, they they got Hakeem Butler, so maybe he can step up and do something. You've got some other guys. Obviously, you have bodies. I don't know if you have the talent necessary. Well, they do have Andy Isabella as well they drafted. I mean, and, and that kind of goes to my point as well. Why would you draft so many wide receivers? I mean, you got Larry Fitz, you got Christian Kirk, and then you draft Andy Isabella, and you pick up Kevin White, and you get Hakeem Butler. It's because you know you're running four wide receivers. So you got four as your base, and then you need however many to back that up. I mean, this is a, a roster that's going to have probably seven or eight wide receivers on it. It's pretty staggering uh, what they're going to end up doing, although you could also split out David Johnson, I suppose, or just keep him in the backfield and use him as a receiver, whatever. But maybe they would be uh, receptive to that kind of a thing. It's just a matter of uh, question. And that's what's so hard about doing these kinds of things is finding uh, mutual agreement easy to say that we would like to get Sean Lee it's a matter of what would Dallas want from us maybe that's not the case but you know or, or vice versa maybe they would want a wide receiver in Arizona but do we want Hassan Reddick and then a, not only it's yes we want that guy and you want this guy but can we agree on on you know compensation is this an equal trade or whatever as far as free agents go there's not a lot out there there's you know we've, we've gone through this in the past Josh Bynes uh Mason Foster Monte Teo who's listed here at 28, which I think is a lie, because he's been in the league for what feels like 75 years. That's about it. I mean, there just isn't much, and that's the problem with this time of year, where it's like, all right, got to go get somebody. It's like, well, if there was anybody worth having, they'd, they'd probably be on a team already. I mean, just, just think about the fact that there are how many guys on teams right now that just aren't very good. And then you got guys that aren't even on a team. They can't even beat out the guys that are on rosters that don't belong on rosters. So, you know. I think possibly a trade would be the best option. Or again, Ty Summers and Curtis Bolton, if, if these guys are, are good enough, we're not going that route. And, you know, Danny Vitale got hurt, but he sh- hopefully should be okay for week one, so we're not going to overreact and go out and get a second or third fullback or whatever. I think in all actuality, we, we have the two available spots. I think Brian Gutekunst is going to work to figure out what two guys to pick up. Now, it, it is nice that they're taking their time because they've got a list. And if they wanted to, they could just very easily go out and say, "Okay, grab the top two guys, call them up, say I want them on the team." The fact that they're taking their time kind of leads me to believe that you know, and 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 this happens all the time, anyways. But you know, they're having conversations, they're calling around, they're seeing, you know, they're, and they're probably also calling guys like Eric Berry or Jay Ajayi or or any of these guys that are just sitting out there saying, you know, it's it's a a matter of conditioning. What are you doing? You know, what compensation? Talking to their agents. Not implying we need Eric Berry, I'm just saying, you know, the the big names that are still out there that are maybe looking for a little bit more money, couldn't hurt to just call around a little bit. You know, Austin Safarian Jenkins, what are you doing, man? How's it going? And just keeping these open lines of communication and not rushing out and getting, you know, a, a, a seventh running back to just come in and, and plot around for a while until we cut you. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I would assume it's not going to be anything sort of earth-shattering. If anything, it'll probably be another Antonio Morrison type of trade to where they get traded and we all sit around and say, who? And then I got to go on PFF and, and look up his stats and his grades and all that stuff and say, okay, here's what I can figure out. Here's his age. Here's what he ran in the 40s seven years ago, which doesn't matter anymore. And here's what his grades were and da 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 But we'll see. Anyways, I do want to quickly try to do an overview of the other three teams in the NFC North just to kind of give you a little something-something, and then, uh, then we'll call it for the day. But let's take a quick break, and then we'll look at that. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. First of all, in terms of overall team grades, Chicago Bears were graded as the sixth best team through the preseason. The Vikings were the 10th. Packers were 21st, Lions were 26th, and there's only 26 grades, so as of right now, Lions were the worst, Packers were the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7th worst? No, 6th worst, and uh, yeah, so there's that. Overall offensive grades, however, the, the Vikings were tied for 4th, the Packers were 7th, um, the Chicago Bears were 9th, and the Lions were 21st. Passing grades, the Vikings were 5th, Packers were 8th. Bears were 13th. (laughs) Wonder why. And uh, the Lions were 16th. Pass blocking, as I said, Packers were the number one team. The Vikings were actually ninth, which, you know, it's backups against backups, so it is what it is. Bears were 18th. Lions were 24th. Keep in mind, this is out of 26. Uh, Receiving grades, the Vikings were 3rd. Not super surprising. I don't know how much Diggs or anybody played, if at all, but they've got a good group bears were 14th packers were tied for 17th lions were 24th i'm looking for one area where the lions weren't just about dead last and i have not found it yet the running grades and this is going to be something to keep an eye on it doesn't necessarily mean anything the lions were doing the same thing last year with their rookie whose name is escaping me but it was real good indications early on and that kind of carried on into even today where i think he's going to be good but Chicago Bears had the second highest grade and that is entirely because of their rookie and we'll talk about that in a second, but he had an incredible outing. Uh, the Vikings were 11th, the Packers were 12th, the Lions were 17th. Run blocking grades, the uh, Bears were third, Lions were fourth, Packers were eighth, Vikings were 14th. Looking overall at defense, the Bears were eighth. the uh, gotta scroll down quite a bit. Vikings were 17th. Packers, or excuse me, the Lions were 23rd, Packers were 24th, so obviously the defense was not very good. Uh, Run defense, Bears 7th, Packers 11th, uh, Vikings 12th, Lions 24th. That is their favorite number ever. Tackling, we know Packers were dead last. Uh, Vikings and Lions also were terrible, 22nd and 23rd. Bears, though, third. And that, again, good defense is tackled. Right? It's it's no different. It's what Matt LaFleur was talking about. They left plays on the table. We talked about Kingsley Kiki. He had like two sacks that he just couldn't finish. Uh, Curtis Bolton, he had a pick that he couldn't finish. Ty Summers left a ton of tackles just out there. Uh, the other linebacker, whatever his name is, he left a sack on the field. I mean, there's so many times that guys are in position, they just can't finish, and finishing is all that matters. Well, we had four guys get to the runner real quick behind the line of scrimmage. Oh, are they tackling behind the line of scrimmage? No, it was a gain of 19 on third and five. They all just missed their tackles, right? That's not a good defense. Good defense is tackle. It's really, really, really important that that gets fixed. And the problem is I, I don't necessarily believe it's it's going to 100%. Now, a lot of the starters weren't out there, so we got to see what the starters can do, and hopefully they're going to do a lot better. I trust you know, Raven Green was solid. Amos, I think, is going to be solid. Um, Blake is, is a good tackler. You know, A lot of these guys, Kenny Clark is not going to have problems. Z- Z- Zedarius and Preston probably won't. But still, um, you know, there's a lot of guys that miss tackles, and some of these guys are going to end up being starters. right? We're already seeing we lost a linebacker. So one of these linebackers who couldn't tackle is going to be a starter. So it's got to get cleaned up. Uh, pass rush, the Bears are actually 11th, and that's what happens when you take Khalil Mack off the field. Packers were 18th, Vikings were 19th, and the Lions were 21st. In coverage, there was not one good group in the entire NFC North. The best was the Bears at 17th, Vikings 19th, Lions 21st, Packers dead last at 26th. So that's sort of the, the broad scope of what exactly happened. As far as highs and lows go, again, Chicago Bears, their running back, uh, David Montgomery, just was was dominant. Uh, as a matter of fact, as far as his strictly his running grade, he was the second highest uh, running back graded. As far as overall offensive grade, he was still the second highest, just somebody else was ahead of him each time. Now again, this doesn't necessarily mean anything. I think it's great news for the Chicago Bears, and it's what they definitely wanted to see. However, again, who was number one? Well, Latavius M- uh, Murray was. Looking at the rushing grade, who was number one? Brandon Bolden. Do we think Brandon Boland and Latavius Murray are going to be the top two running backs? No, we don't. But again, completely dismissing it is not a good thing. He came in and he was just dominant. Um, Unfortunately, Mitch Trubisky did not play um, at all, but Chase Daniel was the best quarterback in the preseason, which just makes me smile because I'd be willing to bet anything Chase Daniel would have graded out a lot higher than um, Mitch Trubisky would have. And it just, it makes me so happy that Chase Daniel is actually doing a really good job of being a quarterback. Because I, I, I stand by my statement that I think he'd be a better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky, and that makes Bears fans so angry. Chase Daniel doesn't have any of the athletic attributes or ability that, that Mitch Trubisky does, but I think he's just a more solid guy. Um, the, the next best, not surprisingly, was Kirk Cousins. He was the only starter for the entire NFC North that actually played. He only played five, or had five dropbacks, but um, he got beat by Chase Daniel, which is pretty funny. Now, not overall offensive grade, but as a as a passer, he did. Number three was Deshaun Kaiser, then Tim Boyle. So um, I suppose that's good news when you look at backup quarterbacks and you start, like I do, complaining that we need to have better backups. Well, outside of Chase Daniel, I mean, the Packers technically had the best outing. I I, I don't know. They're better than Sean Mannion, better than Tom Savage. Uh, As far as wide receivers, I mentioned Minnesota did really well. Well, Adam Thielen did play. Not a lot, but he just absolutely dominated, which is obviously going to, I mean, if we had Devontae out for about eight reps, obviously the Packers wide receiving group would have been a lot better, but nothing super important to look at here. I mean, Adam Thielen was the one truly dominant player that actually started in the NFC North, and he predictably um, just dominated everybody's face. Looking at the offensive line, something that definitely makes me smile, um, the one starter that I can find on here is, is Riley Reef. He was the fourth best uh, pass-blocking player. (laughs) Excuse me, not even player, tackle. Alex Light, Adam Pankey, and Cornelius Lucas for the Bears were better pass blockers than the starting left tackle for the Minnesota Vikings. Not that he was bad, it's fine, it's just funny. In fact, if you look at the entire offensive line, the three best pass blockers, oh my goodness, this is crazy. Correction, the top eight pass blockers, let me just read them off for you. Eldon Jenkins, Alex Light, Adam Pankey, Joe Dahl, Justin McCray, Danny Isadora, Anthony Coyle, Lucas Patrick. Six of the top eight pass blockers were Packers. Zero Chicago Bears, one Lion, one Viking. And to add insult to injury, there are several starters out here. Graham Glasgow, Kenny Wiggins, I think they're starting. Riley Reif, um, Pat Alfline, Rick Wagner, Frank Ragnall, I mean, the the... the Several teams had their starters out there, and they were not even beating out our second string, possibly third string, possibly not even making the team offensive lineman for the Packers. So that makes me smile. And then, uh, you know, defensive side of the ball, nothing really stands out. I'm, I'm, I'm primarily looking for, you know, guys that need to take a step slash rookies. Um, of, of the defensive side of the ball, the top five, three are Chicago Bears and two are Packers. Curtis Bolton and Raven Green are numbers two and three in the entire NFC North for defense. Um, Roquan Smith was eighth. He had a good outing. He's another one that needs to kind of step up, but he only had five snaps. So that doesn't really count for much. So nothing super stands out in terms of, um, you know, I mean, Jelani Tavai was 39th. He didn't have the greatest outing in the world. So really the, the biggest takeaway from all this, uh, in the NFC North is to keep an eye on David Montgomery. He had a, a very good outing. He's had a very good camp. The the Chicago Bears are excited about him, and uh, he just has not yet disappointed anybody. And I, you know, this is this is going along with what I. I mean, I had said he is my number one running back in the entire draft, and he went in the fourth round. So I, you know, whatever it is, what it is, he's definitely not going to make the Bears worse. So, but I'm going to leave it at that. I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Sunday. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.